Hi, I'm Ryan Barnes. And I'm Anakin Barnes. Welcome to Season 2 of the Barnes Boys Podcast. We're both big movie fans. And we're both actors. We watch movies through different lenses. You see, my dad grew up in the 80s in a very conservative environment in California. While my son here goes to high school at a fine arts school in liberal British Columbia. Each week we watch a different movie. And discuss it from the different perspectives we bring to the table. Since I've been born, CGI and quick cuts were the norm. While all we had were practical effects and converted theater actors. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn. And enjoy the show. All right. Well, uh, we can't just start. We have to use our little int- our little jingle that brings us into this. So it goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds very much like this movie that we just watched. Yep, very similar. All right, so bring us in, Anakin. All righty. So uh, this time, usually I would say like this week or whatever, right. but we're not too consistent. But this time uh, we watched uh, Swingers, made in 1996, and with a cast of John Favreau, Vince Vaughn, and Heather Graham. And it was directed by Dung, Doug Linman and written by John Favreau. So what is the synopsis? So it's basically a wannabe actor uh, has a hard time moving on from a breakup, but he's very lucky and he's very lucky to have supportive friends. That's the IMDb version. So yeah. how do we rate this IMDb uh, description, I guess? Well, yes, I, I would agree sure. with it. Uh, I don't know about a rating for it, but I would agree that it's... It, that's what it's about it's better than some that we read yeah yeah so this week uh or this movie was supposed to be the gallows which we announced last time with pump up the volume however i'm still recovering from my car accident and that shaky uh first person camera footage just it was going to be a little too much for me so right we took a little detour so um so yeah so i guess that's it for some synopsis so let's get on to trivia The trivia on here, this this movie is loosely based on the experiences that John Favreau had when he first moved to Los Angeles. So he had just broken up with a long-term girlfriend, and he counted on his friends Vince Vaughn and Ron Livingston to cheer him up. So the characters that they play in the film are based on themselves mm. and who they were to uh, to John in, I see. in the movie. Um the the bare monologue that Trent, Vince Vaughn's character, delivers to Mike is almost verbatim something Vince told John one night at a bar. Hmm. <laughs> uh, John Favreau, he liked it a lot, and he incorporated it into the script. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, this, this one's a little bit long, and normally I don't like to grab trivia pieces this long, but I thought it was really interesting. Okay. Um, so the scene with Mike and Trent talking in the car on the side of the road when they were um, on their way back from Vegas, mm-hmm. um, it was filmed without a permit. Um, they, the production couldn't, you notice it was a very low budget movie. Yeah. So they couldn't afford the permit, but it's not just that. Um, no film production can get a permit on that particular highway. Mm-hmm. So originally they had planned to film just an establishing shot with the two of them in the car and the shot of them driving the way and then film the dialogue shots later. But the director decided instead to film the entire scene on the, on the side of the road. And so during the filming, several police showed up and demanded to see a permit. The assistant director told the police, 
held up the police by telling them they had the permit, but it was in the office across town several miles away. So to get away with the rest of the scene being filmed, uh, Lindman, the director, had to pretend he was not filming and didn't look in the viewfinder and used a microphone inside of the car instead of the boom. So most of the scene was filmed like this, with the police waiting just out of the shot and the two actors and the director pretending they were not, in fact, shooting. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Let's see. The relationship between the characters played by Jon Favreau and Vince Vaughn mirrors their relationship in real life. The two Mm. are best friends. So we've seen them a lot in various movies, too. Right. Um, Let's see. When And the last one here, when asked to approve the use of the theme music for Jaws in the scene, Steven Spielberg saw footage of Vince Vaughn and hired him then for Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that is it for our trivia. So we're going to come right back with impressions and memories. This is a very 90s movie, very mm-hmm. mid-90s movie. And we've we've watched a lot of 80s movies. Uh, last one we watched, Pump Up the Volume, was 90s, was early 90s, yeah. just coming out of 80s. So this is just like right right in the middle. It was What did we say? It's, it's 1996. Yeah, that yeah. sounds accurate. So your first impressions. So on I, mu- I might have read it wrong right when – we were about to watch the movie, but it it had said 1986 on the on the date for the movie. Gotcha. And so I was very confused about the references made for say 86, like okay. the yeah. the references to like Re- Reservoir Dogs and um and another movie that I whatever. Sure. There are a lot of references and a lot of like time pieces where i was confused i'm like how is this the 80s gotcha um but yeah it 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 confused me from the start but this movie i enjoyed it but it was uh, i found it to be very slow paced Mm -hmm. and i didn't really have a, a an idea of what was going on until the very end of the movie when it concluded i'm like oh okay that's what the movie was about sure which sure which is which is fine. It's just it, for me, it, it tends to be harder for me to understand and follow the movie when I don't know what's going on. Right. But right. yeah, it was a, it was a very good. Looking back on it now, it was a very good movie and it was very well done. For the budget and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I enjoyed it. All right. So on your rating scale, on the mm-hmm. very, very difficult to to get a star on Anakin's rating scale. Right. Um, I would give this one solid 7.3. 7.3. And what is that based on? Um, the It's pace, the my ability to understand what's going on, okay. the... The, the dialogue and acting and which another thing that I found with this movie is that the dialogue and acting was a bit very monotone and very it or the, the tone or the the feeling of the movie didn't really fluctuate sure it all kind of just stayed the same and like there wasn't really any feeling behind a lot of the lines that I found 
Interesting. Okay. But that that's just my take. Yeah. Okay. Um, to that, I, I, my opinion is that, um, they, uh, they established who they were as characters and Mm. just put those personality traits in various situations. Yeah. Um, also establishing the scene of the nineties, what, what it was like then. And, Mm um, and, what it's like in these various situations for them. So for, to me, I think that was pretty solid because, um, because there was no, like what, once you understood who the characters were, right. They didn't lose you at all. Like you, you bought into this is, this is how Vince Vaughn really is because, mm. because there's no fluctuation there. There's no breaking of the character. It's consistent. This is who John Favreau is because it's consistent. Yeah. But then it follows his growth and his development. Okay. So that, that's my opinion. Memories wise, I didn't see this movie when it first came out. Um, a lot of people had seen it and were talking about it um, and quoting a lot from the movie, like mm-hmm. Vegas Baby and, and things like that. Right. Um, but I I hadn't seen it. But I remember um, I remember during that time the the swing culture was 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 like ex- was just exploding there. Okay. And um, so it was really, it was, and I, I, I know the big bag voodoo daddies. I know they started to get really big at this time at when, when they were there, they were the regular house band. Like when this movie was shot, they were okay. the regular house band at that club that they played at the the Derby, I believe. Okay. And, um, and I think this, this movie really helped get them, uh, get them out there in front of more people. Cause remember there was no, there was no, uh, internet YouTube or anything at that time. Yeah. So so this kind of put them in the in the limelight, so to speak, and that was really helpful for them. But okay. but when I did finally see this, after a lot of friends had had uh, had talked about it, um, I I really really liked it. Um, I thought the characters were identi- identifiable, and the the culture of of um, living in a city and not having any money, yeah. kind of things. It, it it had these these points that that. Um, were very relatable, I think. Sure. So, I've I've seen this movie, I've seen this movie multiple times, Mm -hmm. and I still think it's a good movie, and I still enjoyed watching it yet again today. So, um, that is all I've got for my memories. Yeah. Um, Shall we get on to viewpoints? I've I've got a page full of notes here, so um, so we've got some good content to dive into. Sure. Alrighty. Here we are at our viewpoints. Now, um, where are you at with notes? I didn't see you writing too many, so I I have notes. Kind, I have like a good bit of notes, and then like one final like thing to say. Okay, but, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'll I'll start. My sure. mine begin at the opening credits. Okay. Um, during the during the opening credits, there was this very strong impression of mid nineties LA. Mm. And, um, I was, I was around 18 at that, around 18 at the time that it came out. And so I, as you know, an 18 year old male, you're you're hanging out with your friends, you're doing everything that you possibly can. And since I lived in California, um, I would, 
I would often head to LA with my friends and, and hang out and, and like everything in there is exactly as I remembered it in those opening credits. And then they had that, that really strong Vegas vibe with, with, um, I think it was Dean Martin opening there. Yeah. Nobody tells somebody loves you. Um, it's, it was really, um, nostalgic for me or it continues to be very nostalgic for me mm. uh, looking back and seeing that but right from there they the opening scene they they jump into this conversation where where mike our our lead character he's having a conversation with his friends um these rules about navigating relationships and the social games and it's and he's having a hard time following that and for me it's so hard to to follow those those rules and like i you know, I'm so glad that I'm married and not going to have to do it again because right. I just, I, I can't wrap my head around it. <laughs> that, that was always a, a hard thing for me. And like, like they, they had explained like the two day thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I never really understood that because it's like, if you, if you like them and you want to talk to them, then call them the next right. day. If it's like, if you met them like at nighttime or whatever, you just call them the next morning. Right. But apparently not. And I'm also very glad and happy that I don't have to do that again for hopefully a really, really long time. Right. Or never. Right. So um, the um, the part of, of not calling and, and all that, that's, that's showing it's playing a game, but it's showing that, that you have a life that's, that's interesting and you have things going on. And, yeah. and so... And so, um, it theoretically, it makes you look more interesting than, than you would actually be because, because for me, I'd be the same way. I'm like, well, why wouldn't I call the next day? I don't want somebody else to swoop in there and and talk to this girl. Exactly. So, um, the, uh, what did you think about the, about the film stock? stock. So the, the, Movie was made in the mid '90s, so obviously the the filming technology was was different than what we have now. But right. even then, we've we've seen a lot of movies with higher budget, and it's much clearer film um, mm-hmm. filming. And this was all this is all done at almost all of it was filmed at night, and yeah. and the film stock was was really grainy and had a very vintage mm. look to it. Um, I absolutely love that. Yeah, I. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't really pay attention to that too much because I, I find out when the movie was made in the time period and I just like, oh, and then I see the quality of camera. I'm like, sure. okay, it fits the time. Doesn't really matter because I'm not here to pay attention to like, oh, it's too grainy or whatever, but I right. do enjoy it. I do enjoy seeing it, mm-hmm. especially when it's done nowadays. Right, right. Um, the um, the answering answering machine part that was our that was our next scene where mm-hmm. he was he did I don't know if you caught that that he's uh, all of his friends are calling and and hey uh, in that opening scene let, let's backtrack a little bit a little bit in that opening scene um, he's apologizing to to that friend that he's eating breakfast with saying yeah. sorry I'm talking to you about this you're or I'm always talking to you about this. You're the only one that I can talk to about this. And then the mm-hmm. answering machine and everybody that leaves a message on the answering machine is asking him about how things are going with that girl. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that, that gives you a clue into his character there that he whines about this to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. 
And like, I didn't like. I picked it up on that, and it was it was it, it was quite enjoyable to see. It's like, oh, okay, but you're you're not really the person, the only person, whatever. Um, but yeah, it it was very very interesting to see. I guess um, just uh I have no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> a lot of the times, I feel like if feel like Michael Scott, he starts a sentence and he just keeps going and hopes I just that he'll don't know find where it. where it's going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, so so we were talking about this this answering machine, and then this scene ends with um, with Trent Vince Vaughn's character, mm-hmm. Trent showing up and say, "Hey, let's go to Vegas. Let's get right. you out of here." And and it, they start out super excited, Vegas, baby, Vegas, but they can't keep the momentum. No. So, wh- I, what are your thoughts about that? Then I'll tell you. So, I, I've also had problems with this before, where it's like uh, you you get into this mindset, you get into a very um, hyped state of mind, and you just you just go. Yeah. But then the car ride is way too long to get there, and it's like, all right. Yeah, like I, I, un- I very much understood what was happening there because I've been in very similar situations. But as soon as I, I didn't quite see it in this movie, but as soon as we like finally get to the destination, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, let's go. Right. Okay. Um, so I've I've done this twice. These spontaneous trips, once with my friend Steve, once with my friend Billy, mm. from two different locations. Now, uh, when I was eighteen. Um, my friend Steve, he he had said, "Hey Ryan, let's go to Vegas tonight." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, let's go." Mm-hmm. And so we got in the car and we drove to Vegas. So to get to Vegas from from Fresno, you drive two two and a half hours to Bakersfield, okay, and then you turn east and then you drive for another six hours, <laughs> and there is absolutely nothing to see. Um, once you get up and, and you know, that stretch between Fresno and Bakersfield, there's not a lot to see there, No, but there is even less to see once you turn off of there. There's, it's absolutely nothing but desert except for once you, when you get to the border, there's a couple of casinos right at the border there. Okay. Um, because they say now you're in Vegas, now you can gamble. And so, you know, they're going to try and capitalize on that. Yeah. But there is nothing to see but desert until you get to, you get to Vegas and then suddenly it's lit up and th- there's no nighttime anymore. Just everything, the, 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 you see the glow of, of the lights from far off and then everything is just, just bright once you get there. And then the second time I did it, it was the same thing. It was, uh, I was with Billy and we were in, in Anaheim or somewhere in Southern California. And he said, Hey, do you want to go to Vegas tonight? And I said, sure, let's go. Mm-hmm. So we just started driving, driving to Vegas and same thing. Took six, seven hours, even from, from LA, because you got to go up to that same area and get on the 40 and head east. And, and there is nothing to see. And there's, it's so hard to keep momentum with just nothing but desert. It's so desolate. And and so that's funny. And so I, I, I think of this, um, this actually, I, I didn't say this in, in memories, but, but I guess this, um, this movie has made an impression on me in multiple ways. And this, this is one of those ways. And I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later, but, okay. but I think of this scene a lot when, um, when getting ready to start a project with other people and, and I see someone get overly excited about it 
and I know that it's going to be a long process and yeah. and I just keep thinking of Vegas baby and and like all, all of this all of this momentum all of this excitement is going to die by the time we get there so right. it's like slow down pace yourself we we it's a it's a marathon it's not a sprint right <laughs> um when when they get to Vegas yeah. to me it's portrayed exactly how it is um there's not nothing but desert and then it's super lit up and bright like I said, there's there's no nighttime, and it's just everything is is lights and happiness on on the strip because that's that's the game. That's how they appeal to people. How that's how they draw you in and sure. they keep you from leaving. Um, they, uh, casinos are all designed as mazes to keep you from being able to to leave them, and they're they have it's like a mall. Yeah, and they have the big. Um, the big payout machines, they put those right in front so people are walking by and they hear people getting jackpots so that suckers you in right there. Oh, nice. And um, it, there's so much psychology between uh, about how that city is created and and how they get people to, to come in, stay in, and, and yeah. spend more than they, they wanted to. And it, it's, it's a very fun experience, but it is... Um, stimulation overload. I mean, there's yeah. lights and sounds and smells and there's everything everywhere and everything's mm-hmm. legal. It's, it's, it's this crazy, crazy. I think you'll love it. But <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm honestly scared to go because it, I'm, I'm more scared about the gambling part because even, even at my dry grad, we, there was a table there, there was a blackjack table and I did not leave that table for a long time <laughs> and I was doing so good too. And then it was, it was like in the, in the Griswold movie uh, or not the Griswold movie, but the like Vegas vacation, Vegas vacation. Mm-hmm. I, I had, I was doing great at this one table and then every now and then I would just leave for a bit to take a break and then I would switch tables. And it, it, th- this one dealer, he was, he was my bad luck charm. I swear, because <laughs> every time I would go to his table, I'd lose instantly, and then I keep going a little bit, see if I see if it's me or see if it's him, or maybe it's just the cards. Yeah, and I keep losing. I'm like, all right, no, I'll see you later, and then I just go to the other table and start winning again. <laughs> it was, but I'm scared because even even looking at the psychology behind chips instead of actual physical mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. is is like very interesting because you have you have these things these material things that are made of whatever they're made of but it doesn't look like money to you so you're not going to think of it as right. money and right. so it's a lot they're easier colorful and fun colorful colorful and fun and you you use them and you'll just keep keep using them keep using them because it's not actual money that or well, it is money mm-hmm. but it's not you're not looking at actual money until right. You're out of ships and you're like, all right, let's go get my money. Wait, what money? I just spent it all. Right. And that's the part I'm, I'm afraid about. Yeah. And they've, and they've got, they've got you down. They've been doing this for years. And, and so studies into carpet patterns, to colors, to the height of the ceiling, to the mirrors, to the temper, the, the way that they keep it so cold in there. So you're not falling asleep and don't want to go back to your hotel and, and, Mm -hmm. and nap, um, free drinks, free drinks walking around. And then if, if, uh, if you're spending money and, and pit boss sees you kind of fading, then he'll offer to, to give you something like little, a little uh, boost or something to keep you going and keep you mm-hmm. playing. And just everything in there is designed to take every last penny from you yeah. and, um, and make you feel good about it. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, these guys are great at what they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is, it is scary. It is scary. And, and every time I've gone, I've, I've chosen to, to leave the money that I'm not going to use behind, leave my credit cards, ATM behind, only bring the cash that, that yeah. I'm willing to lose. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's it. And so if I win, great. And if I lose, then I, I don't get stuck in the, I was almost there. I, I, I could have done it. I just need a little bit more money and then I can, I can yeah. get it. I could beat this dealer or whatever. And that's where a lot of people lose big. Yeah. So, um, the, um, the uh, Mike, um, uh, John Favreau's character, Mike going mm-hmm. into that, he's, he's talking about that and he's saying, when they're in the car, he's saying, we got to put on our suits now and show up and act like we have money. So that way the, uh, the pit bosses will, will comp us stuff. And, yeah. But he was, he was so uptight about, about everything. And, mm-hmm. and that re- he reminds me a lot of how uptight I was in my late teens and twenties. And I was, I was very, very much like that. Um, and I, my, my friend, Steve, he was my balance. He, he was like, he was like the Trent character. Right. And, um, and I, it took me a while to, to get out of that. And I don't know how I got like that. And I don't know how I got out of it, but I'm glad that I did. <laughs> cause, cause I, I see him and I'm, I'm just like, Oh, that reminds me of how I was. And I hate the fact that I was like that. Right. <laughs> um, but I, uh, they, they're walking around and they're, they're doing their thing and then they make it to the Tiki lounge. And yeah, so I don't know if, if the Tiki lounge stood out to you in any way, but I miss Vegas. I miss seeing these these super super deluxe um, um, decorated things that you know whatever theme it is, everything is is that theme, and sure. it's done so it's done so well. And we were we went last actually. Uh, I think we we would have been home for two days now, or we were still in Florida last year at this time. Okay, um, but uh, we were at. Epcot, I think it was Epcot, and we went in that that margarita bar that was in that. What what was that? Was it like an Encanto ride, the boat ride? Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we went to that margarita bar, and then everything was all themed up there, and it, it was very cool. And that's that's the closest that I've seen. Disney does a really good job, of course, of theming everything. But oh, sorry, it wasn't Encanto. It was um, Coco. No, well, it was kind of Coco. It was. The ride itself wasn't Coco. It was the... Um, it was a Three Caballeros. Yeah. Right. But the the outside was kind of just like, I, I think like a Mexican night market or whatever. Mm. And I don't I don't think there was any specific theme to it rather other than just that. Okay. I, I could it, be wrong. Well, I haven't seen either of those movies yet. So, sure. But I, I thought it was themed after, the, after one of those. Could have been, it could have been Coco. Oh, okay. But anyway, the uh, that that bar and and the low light and the theme and all, mm-hmm. uh, this this tiki bar in this movie reminded me a, a lot of that. Okay. But just but it it made me remember Vegas and how absolutely themed everything is. Yeah. You know, you have the big casinos and the, uh, the restaurants, and then you have these these smaller little areas. Like every casino has a ton of different restaurants, and then mm-hmm. some of them are just super super themed up, and they make it a lot of fun in order to. <laughs> to get you there and sure. and keep you there and take your money. Um, 
So then they, they meet these waitresses and then they, they head off to, uh, head off to one of their, or their trailer where they live. And, mm-hmm. and Mike hit that number one way to turn off a girl is he was whining about his, uh, his, his ex. ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that, like that. I, I had no idea what was going on in the movie, but I knew as soon as Trent and then the other person left, I knew that nothing was going to happen because of just the way that character sure. characters are and the way they've been setting up even that moment right. from the previous, I was like, he's going to end up talking about his girlfriend or his ex or whatever, and nothing's going to happen. And they've been working all night to try and get this, but right. nothing's going to happen. Right. So, but, um, There is one thing that I, I noticed throughout this movie that I... It was such a weird, a weird term, and I understood what it meant, but I'd never been th- heard it like thrown around before this way. Okay, and I, it, it was also used. I feel a way too much in this movie. The term money, money, yeah, your money, your money, yeah, that's money, baby. So, I, I that could just be I'm a little outdated, or I'm out of my time for once you were you are out of your time that slang was used it was out there and it was used all the time okay. and, and and it really would depend on your your um i guess your age or your group and your culture sure. subculture that that you were in but uh but i remember hearing that a lot at that at that age and you know you you have your slang and everything that was just slang slang of the time of yeah. 96 so because money is good, and so yeah. you, you say that if something is good, it's money. So, yeah, <laughs> it's not a lot of thought process. No, not really. that one. <laughs> um, did you notice that? So they, they get back to to Trent's apartment, and they're playing hockey on Sega Genesis. Yeah. So if you remember when we watched Mallrats, um, they were also playing that same hockey on Sega Genesis. That was the best hockey game that was available really? at the time, and so I thought it was funny just to see them. Playing, playing the same one because I, I remember that, that that's the one you make make them fight you can um, make them punch punch the it's supposed to supposed to punch the helmet off but you actually take off their whole head oh wow uh, <laughs> and then and then they had updated it at some point so you just make them bleed and then they made a whole scene about that yeah so um, but I remember that and I, I remember the the hockey games of the time so that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. um, and then from there. So this is another one of those one of those culture game things, and I I, I know that this would drive you insane because it drives me insane. Um, they said party starts at eight, so let's go to a bar at ten. We'll tell people we'll be there at eleven, and we'll probably show up around midnight. So that is completely maddening to me. That I hated that. <laughs> that is the worst. Yeah, that's basically just not showing up and doing other things when you said you're going to. Right, and then. Maybe you'll stop by later on after everything's died down. Right. And it, it's so frustrating. It's like, all right, then if you're going to do those things, mm-hmm. tell, just be like, no, I'm not going to, uh, no, no thanks. I'm not going to go do that. I have other plans or vice versa. Right. And that's, it's a very common practice. And, and um, people did that a lot. People, people do that a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, um, 
the 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 thought process of that is is I've got other things to do because I'm I'm cool or whatever. Yeah. But for me, if somebody does that to me, they don't get invited back a second time. Exactly. Because I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how much food to buy for for <laughs> right. if if only so many people are going to come or. And know. like I've showed up late to parties and like I've made like I've planned things where it's mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm not going to get there right as it starts. I'll be like an hour or two late or. If I'm working, I'll go after I work sure. or whatever. Sure, sure. It's but I'm not like I'm still punctual to the time I say I'm gonna right. be, or I still plan to be there for fairly early. Right. So um this isn't just uh this isn't actually I don't know where this started. Um but we, we see this here a lot. Like mm-hmm. like I had never seen it to this extent until we moved to BC and right. and it seems to be a Canadian culture or at least a, a BC culture thing of of not committing to anything and, and showing yeah. up late and, and I it boggles my mind and mm-hmm. and that's it's one of those like I've got we we have for something that I do, I've got a friend that, that comes over to the house regularly and and it's always later than 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 um yeah. what's co- the time that was committed to and and i just i want to pull out my hair every time it's like oh my gosh i planned my day according exactly. to this i got a lot of things going on and i set aside this time and I it's have, so disrespectful i have other things to do but i'll plan it yeah i'll plan around it yeah, not yeah. i i have this to do and i have other things to do so let me go do them and then maybe right right um but the 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 there is a thing there which I don't quite understand because it's a popularity thing and I, mm-hmm. I've never really bothered with any of that. But the thing is to sh- to show up at a party um, just as it's getting started and leave before it starts to die down. So yeah. when people associate you with the party, they only associate you with the with the peak of the party. Yeah, and um, I mean, th- this is, this is not new. Uh, if you read Romeo and Juliet, the same mm-hmm. thing, Mercu- Mercutio is doing the same thing. It's like, exactly. yeah, we show up, uh, we show up late and we leave because we're parties at its peak. And so we leave at this point. Mm-hmm. So I, like, I, like I said, it's a, it's a popularity thing. And so I, I don't bother with it because I don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but their, their friend that they ran into, it was funny because, because they're in this super crowded bar, and he's like, "This place is dead anyway. Yeah. Let's get out of here." And then they go to the party, and the party is is full of people. And they say, "Yeah, let's get out of here. This place is dead." So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a joke there. Mm-hmm. So they, they they get to their their card game, um, and they're the Reservoir Dogs poker game is how I wrote the, wrote this down. So they made the reference to Reservoir Dogs, and they they had the poster. Yeah, yeah. The poster, and then they talked about it for a bit. I think this might have been later on, but then they go to leave somewhere, mm-hmm. and it seemed like with with the camera angles and the way that it was shot, very different from every other scene in this movie. Were they recreating one of the scenes? Because I haven't seen it. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say you. Have, that's the one of the few Tarantino movies you haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've only seen it once, and so I can't remember that. But mm-hmm. uh, but while they were at that card game and they were talking about it, mm-hmm. 
um, they did one camera angle shot. They were going, they went around the entire table and you showed everybody in one singular shot. And that's a Scorsese thing. He does that. He does that a lot. And I think this was a tribute to him because of, because of Vegas and, and, and all that. Um, but, um, but, but they used a few different styles more as a homage to than anything, than anything else. Sure. Um, so when, when they got, it wasn't when they got to the party, when they, they left the party and they went to this other bar, um, all the cars pulled up together and pulled in and then they all put this thing on the steering wheel. Did you know what that was? It's a wheel lock. That's what you call it? Well, I don't know the exact name, but it's sure. so your car get, doesn't get stolen. It's called the club. Okay, and and it was it was a big thing in the nineties. Um, alarms for some reason alarms weren't as big of a deal. They weren't they didn't come pre installed on cars. If you okay. wanted an alarm, it would be aftermarket. But um, but that club go, goes in the steering wheel and then expands, and it makes a very particular sound. Where anybody who was driving a, a car in the nineties, if you were to do like like one of those sound clip things mm-hmm. they would know it exactly what it is because <laughs> it makes a very distinct sound as it extends and then it makes it long so you can't turn if you turn the wheel it would be hitting the arm would be hitting the windshield okay and so that's that's what it does and it's funny because every one of them put that on and i'm like i i had the club everybody i knew had the club and <laughs> that was your security system thinking about it now i it i wonder if there was a way that people found out to steal a car with the club still on and still like drive with it, but like get really good at drifting because you can only turn it so far. Right. I don't think that's the case, but um, but what thieves figured out is you could you could spray. Um, uh, what was it? It was it was a air conditioning the the air conditioning recharge stuff right inside the lock and it and it freezes it and you can pull it hard and break it. Oh, uh, kind of like in Ant-Man it when he was breaking into the to the vault because yeah. it was the same kind of material. Yeah, Freon, that's what it's called. Sorry. Yeah. Um but and then the other thing is some thieves would just bring a steering wheel with them and they they'd undo the steering wheel and pop theirs on and, and take gotcha. it. There's actually um there's there's a club in our garage when we moved into this place the people that that really? uh, lived here before had it and so it's just hanging up on the <laughs> on the wall so um so anyway that's that is our history lesson of the club <laughs> <laughs> um i really the music in the in this movie i absolutely love it mm. and and it reminds me so much of of playing jazz when i used to be in in jazz band yeah. uh, and um, the the kind of music that that we played and and i miss it so much and mm-hmm. and i absolutely loved it but then we get to we get to the dresden and then we have these people playing um, the house band playing staying alive uh, the the man on the drums right. and the woman singing and so this is also a scene that I think of all the time. Okay. And I every time every time I I think of a cover song or I'm reworking a cover song to to play either for myself or that I'm going to do with Taya, mm-hmm. um, I think of this scene and how I don't want to come across like that of how <laughs> how awful that that right. rendition was and I I never I, I never want to come across like that when I'm playing music. <laughs> so um the uh, so they're they're in there and they're and then Mike finally gets 
finally gets a number and they're talking again about yeah. the, how long, how long to call the one day, two days, three days, whatever. I hate that game. And I always found that being more straightforward gets better results. Yeah. And so there's, what I found is there's a difference between calling fairly right away and being straightforward and then just continuing to call when they don't pick up. And like there are some like there were some instances where he, he thought that his number was cut off and so he tried saying right. that but like it, he he called too much. <laughs> like he called a little too much, and then even after he finished his number, he could have just left it at that, but I think he called like once or twice more, and it, yeah. Is that what your people would call cringe? No. <laughs> so, you know how we were talking about um, slang and lingo of our time and how we're a little, how I was a little outdated and out of my time? You know I do this on purpose to you, don't no, you? I understand that. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, I, I guess you could say it's a little cringe, I guess. But <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just weird hearing you say it. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I don't know. I come across these words and then I use them incorrectly all the time because I know it drives you insane. Right. So, <laughs> so with, with this, this calling thing, I have, I have a story to tell you and I, I might've mentioned it before, but our listeners haven't, right. haven't heard it. So I was, um, gosh, I don't, I don't know how old I was, maybe 18 or 19. And, and, um, I met, met this girl named Irene. Right. Or we'll call her something else. No, we're not, because everybody just heard the name. Right. So <laughs> we'll call her Irene. Um, <laughs> and uh, and Jason and and my friend Brian knew her, and mm -hmm. and so I told them, hey, yeah, I got got Irene's number, and I'm going to go out on a date with her, whatever. And they 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 knew her. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, have fun. Um, that's all I said. So I go on this date one. One date, first, right. first date, go on this date with her. And I don't remember what we did, but um, I took her back to her place afterwards. And then and then she says, okay, uh, or she says, do you mind if I feed my son? It's like one o'clock in the morning. And I thought, that's weird. Okay. But, um, and you have a son and I didn't know that, but okay, whatever. So I'm just rolling with it. So she goes and she gets up this this boy that's at least two years old, maybe older. Mm -hmm. And, and she brings him in the living room. She puts Baywatch on, on TV <laughs> for me to watch. And you weren't around, but Baywatch was a really big deal because of the size of boobs that were bouncing around on okay. every episode. And it, it, it became a really big, uh, really big thing because of that. So she puts Baywatch on for me. Then she gets her son puts him on her lap, pulls out her boob and starts breastfeeding this two plus year old boy on her lap on this first date right in front of me. No warning to right. me as to what was about to happen. And I'm just trying to play it cool. Like this is, that was probably the most awkward thing. Right. I mean, there's nothing, nothing wrong with it. You know, whatever breastfeeding is normal. Mm -hmm. uh, 
it, in my opinion, there should be an age cutoff. Right. Um, but uh, like when 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 the baby says, "Mommy, can I have some coffee with my milk?" You know, when, <laughs> at, that, at that point, then that's uh, that's a little too much. Mm-hmm. But um, but it was so awkward for me. Anyway, uh, how how I got into this story is mm-hmm. is the next day, I had um, I gone to gone to class or something, and I got home and my answering machine was completely full of messages from her and there were i caller id which was a thing back it was a kind of a new thing and a big deal to have yeah. um but i had 29 missed calls that weren't on the answering machine oh wow and it was it was irene calling to say she had a good time we should go out again oh you're a musician i've i've written a song we should try and do this together and and i'd really love to see you again and over and it just i mean just like this scene yeah so i i i definitely did not return any of these calls because <laughs> that we've we've passed way way into stalker territory at this point right and and i go and um hang out with my boys jason and brian and i Mm. tell them about it and they so how was your date and i said well here's the thing and they both started laughing they were just busting out laughing like they were holding it in just waiting to figure out what i was going to drop on them because they knew irene and they knew that that things were not um industry standard in her head right (laughs) and so that that's my experience with with the with the answering machines and that's why when i watch this i am just like cringing it's just like oh yeah this is so (laughs) bad this is so bad and and i remember this (laughs) so uh what do you what do you think about the swing dancing um i enjoyed it i i'm not really like too big of a fan of like dancing at all Right. Besides, I I like going to dance shows because dance shows are always fun to go and see. And sure. Because dance is a very cool form of art. Right. Um, but I can't do it. <laughs> um, I'm not really good at it. Never really had an interest in in it. And I I see I see the appeal with swing dancing, mm-hmm. but it, it nothing really stood out to me. I I enjoyed it. Okay. So I I'm not much of a dancer either. Mm-hmm. Like we, I. I make choreographers cry when I'm in shows with that have dancing. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, swing dancing um, works for me, and, okay. and that's something that makes sense in my head. And in in the '90s, there was this huge swing re, swing dance revival. Yeah. And um, so there was you know, people people dressed in in the old clothes of the the Roaring Twenties, like they'd be out swing dancing there. Um, and and like coffee shops or, or or places that that would close down close down earlier opened up later as speakeasies and, and okay. as little dance place dance places and and they'd serve drinks that you had to know what to ask for so okay. it was it was a really cool really cool environment people dressed in in swing clothes all the time not just to go out dancing but just during the day really? it, it was it was like it was all over the place sure. um Big bad voodoo daddies. They were a huge part of of that swing movement, mm-hmm. and they um, they. I don't know if this movie catapulted them into popularity, mm-hmm. um, but but they were a huge huge piece of it. Um, and 
I mean, just there, I took swing, swing classes. Uh, actually my second date with your mom, we, we took her swing dancing. Oh, know, nice. It was, it was just a, it was a big thing. I, I dressed in swing attire all the, all the time. <laughs> and, um, it was, it was part of that, that mid nineties culture. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Actually, I miss dressing like that. I should, I should go shopping. <laughs> um, oh, you just got into like Lululemon phase and like comfy clothes. Well, yeah, because I'm home all the time. And <laughs> I, I don't go to work. I, I don't do, I don't do anything. I'm just, uh, just uh, all I'm doing is physical therapy and recovery. So I right. want to be comfortable. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, uh, I, I dress like that and, and, and I like it. I like the, I like the style. Mm-hmm. So, um, when, when we, our hero, Mike, when he starts, we see him swing dancing, we see Heather Graham and yeah. she is the female Paul Rudd. Really? Like, like she doesn't, you know, like, she I does see, not age. No, I see that. <laughs> like I, I saw her like, again, thinking that this movie was in the eighties, yeah. I still believed like this was in the eighties. I'm like, how old is she? Right. So you saw her, you saw her in, in an eighties movie in license to drive. Yes, and and she looked the same in that as she did in this movie, as she does in Scrubs, as she does in yes. everything that she's that she as she did in The Hangover. Mm-hmm. She looks exactly the exactly same. Exactly the same. I mean, good for her. <laughs> with with a few creases here and there, like as time goes on, but like that's it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know what those two are drinking, but I want some of it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so my my last my last note, and you might have more in here, but my sure. last note of the day, uh, I would I'm so happy, and I was the first time I saw this, and I still am, so happy to see Mike gets the girl by dropping the games and just being real. Yeah, like that's that's his arc, that's his the end of his character development right there, mm-hmm. and he's just finally like, forget this, I'm trying to follow all these rules, and and it doesn't make sense. I'm just gonna be me and real and straightforward. Yeah, and that's like like his ultimate piece of growth right there. Yeah. And then, and then he gets what he wanted and, and he's done. He has resolution with his ex-girlfriend. He's got this new girl who seems to be great and apparently doesn't age. Right. Uh, <laughs> so. But yeah. Um, yeah, I did really enjoy this movie. It was a good movie and I didn't really quite know what to write down with mm-hmm. a lot of movies because I don't, Things don't stand out to me that are like worth writing down, but I'm able to talk about sure. like what's going on, and I I I enjoyed the fun of it because it although it didn't have like too much of a plot besides him just winning at the end, mm-hmm. I still enjoyed it because it it reminds me of kind of like besides like the. Oh, I'm I'm sad because my girlfriend of six years broke up with me six right. months ago. Right. And besides that, I I relate and enjoy seeing a group of friends hanging out and having fun, kind yeah. of like what I do. Right. And it, I yeah, I enjoy the fun over it, and it was it was very it was very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, again, it was it was a bit slow paced, and it got like there were times where I was a, a little bored, but um, I also didn't. Again, I also didn't know what was going on or what the plot was right. because there, it didn't seem like there was a plot really established or there was a plot in mind. Sure, it was kind of just scene after scene after scene, and like it was all a character arc. That's what the movie was about. Yeah, yeah, and so 
um yeah other than that i i did enjoy it like thoroughly but yeah let's let's actually let's take a second to talk about our our writer and uh, and our hero uh john favreau here yeah this this was was, sorry go ahead sorry was his his first movie and his breakout movie it was his definitely his breakout movie it was the first time i had been introduced to him okay and um and i I thought this guy is great as a mm-hmm. writer, as as an actor, and he's. I was I was really impressed with him, and um, everything I've seen him in, and not only as an actor, but the work that I've works that I've seen that he's directed or, or mm-hmm. written. I'm just like this. This guy, this guy's got talent. I, yeah, I like him. I I like to think of him as the 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 guy who runs Hollywood, but nobody mentions his name. <laughs> he's like. He's he's like a puppet master of of sorts. Sure. Cuz he does everything and he's done so much and he's so talented and he has such he has a lot of power in the movie industry mm-hmm. but nobody talks about him. Mm-hmm. Really. Right. Cuz he from what I know, he single-handedly saved Robert Downey Jr. like yep. with in terms of career. Sure. Um, he launched the Marvel universe. Yes. He launched the Marvel universe. He is now basically taking over a star Wars universe right. with all these shows. Yeah. He personally, he's what inspired me to do what my career is going to be. Uh-huh. So he has control over my life too, or not control <laughs> over my life, but sure. he's had major impact on mine. Yeah. And, and you're, you're talking about the movie chef, which yeah. is both, both of ours, one of our favorite movies. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And literally my career is, or not like career, but my idea is based off Your of- dream. My, my dream is is based off of essentially that movie. Sure. To make Cuban sandwiches, have a food truck, and then do that tour. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're well on your way to mm-hmm. do that too. You've got- absolutely everything lined up to, yeah. to to do that right now so um so john if you're listening thanks <laughs> you, you you gave my boy inspiration yeah <laughs> so um so I, when when we finished the movie you took a minute and you you wrote out a bunch of stuff did, did mm-hmm. you have any closing thoughts i kind of did give my closing oh I, I apologize no it's okay so um all right well i guess i guess um the only thing left is to to come back and, and let you know what's going to happen next. Alrighty. So we will be right back with that. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening to The Barnes Boys. What are your thoughts and memories about swingers? <laughs> um, did, did we miss anything important? Let us know at www.barnesboys.ca. Thank you so much for joining us as we continue part two of season two. (laughs) Be prepared for the next episode of Rocky by watching our movie before the podcast and sending us your thoughts and comments on our website. Our theme music is written by Ryan M. Barnes, and you can find him at www.silvertooth.org. Have a great week.